0: Well, it's a joy and a privilege to welcome you again to Graceway Baptist Church, our Sunday school lesson for October the 9th of 2022. And uh, as we move through the story of Daniel in the lion's den, obviously, as we look at the life of Daniel, we look at the things that surrounded Daniel, that were affecting Daniel. Daniel is an old man by this point. He's up in his 80s. And you would kind of think, and I think we all do, that by that time, life is pretty well set and kind of stable. And yet, uh, it's not. And in this situation, Daniel, who got along so well with kings, people in, a, in a power and authority, think about his relationship with Nebuchadnezzar. And now under uh, the Persian Empire, a new king, uh, Darius, he seems to be well liked and well respected. He must have been a kind of a charismatic individual and having a good personality and well trusted. And I think part of that would come because he seems from the earliest part of his life until this latter part of his life just extremely stable, faithful and dependable. That type of thing, no uh, not a panicker or anything like that. No ulterior motives. And so these kings trusted him, and they seem to have genuine affection for him. But uh, we don't want to fool ourselves, because Daniel was not liked by everybody. Now, the reason he wasn't liked, as we saw last week, is uh, because he was gaining influence. He is being noticed. He was getting ready to be promoted, and all of the Persian uh, satraps and governors even those that were kind of his peers, they didn't think that he deserved it. They didn't like him gaining that favor and that power. And so remember, they looked and looked and looked, couldn't find anything ethically long or wrong with him. They couldn't find any incompetence in his job, nothing like that at all. He had that excellent spirit within him. And so they said, the only way we're going to get him is to find something that has to do with him him and his God. They knew he would not violate the law of his God, and they knew that his characteristic faithfulness toward people would also be his faithfulness toward his God. And so they uh, conspire together without Daniel, of course, to go before the king and to uh, get the king to sign a law that no one could petition any god or man for 30 days except the king. Now, how, number one, do you practically enforce anything like that? This is not just a law that said Daniel cannot petition any god. This is basically the universal law of the entire empire. Now, how are you going to watch all of those people. And how are you going to enforce anything like that? It's just not practical at all. But remember, the purpose here is not to make everybody in the entire empire petition the king. That's not even going to be possible. This is all a a way of getting at one person. This is the kind of thing to where oh, maybe you have worked in a company where there's one employee that is kind of messing up. And so the, the boss or the bosses, they make a rule that covers everybody just to correct that one person or to punish that one person. That's not necessarily fair, but sometimes that's the way people feel like they have to do it. That's what's happening here. They want Daniel. They really want Daniel and they want him out. They don't just want him neutralized or anything like that. Uh, Their plan here is for murder, actually. And uh, they can't go to the king and say, King, we would like to have you execute your most trusted advisor, the one that you are going to put in charge of the other governors. Remember, he was one of three governors that oversaw 120 satraps who watched over the entire empire, the kingdom. And the king was getting ready to promote Daniel to be the chief governor of those other ones. And so they can't go to the king and say, "Uh, we want this guy executed. Uh, They would probably die for something like that. So they have to kind of cover everything up and they have to make this universal, sweeping law. And Daniel's the one that would be caught in the uh, the net, so to speak. So the title of the message is, Who's in Charge Here? Who's in Charge? Now, on first glance, we and anybody else would say, Well, it's a king. The king had absolute authority. But really, when you read the story, the king is being played. He's being manipulated. He is the one who is being used here. And the others, these advisors, are manipulating him and they are controlling him. So who's really in charge? And it looks like Daniel's enemies are. Now, we all kind of have this idea that if we had power, wouldn't it be great? But we don't think about the pressure that comes along with being in power like this. All of these advisors are using the leverage that they have to try to control the king, and the king, sadly, doesn't even seem to know it. And that's why uh, I I want you to understand the more power you get in any situation, the more vulnerability that you have. When you go to work and you uh, are working at at a lower level job, let's say, and uh, you don't really make any decisions, you just do what you're told, and you're not really responsible for anything except just following instructions. And if it's wrong, or if it's out of order, or if it costs too much or whatever, it's not on you. It's on the format above you. It's on your supervisor. It's on whoever is running everything. And so the more you climb the ladder, the more responsibility you take. Sure, it may be nice to have Power and to have authority, but the responsibility goes up with that as well. And uh, we might say that the stakes get higher, don't they? There's the uh, principle in business, I think they call it the Peter principle, that says everybody is promoted until they hit a level of incompetence. And so a person may be, for example, a very good assistant coach or posi- position coach for a football team, and yet they are a terrible head coach. They just went up one step too high. The same thing can happen in business and any number of areas. And so uh, when we think about that, it's because with each rise in power, there's a rise in accountability. Who else are you going to blame? And so if the kingdom doesn't go well, the king is probably going to try to blame other people, but at the same time, every king wants their kingdom to run well, to function well, and then add into that their desire for power, but also their desire uh, to have their ego stroked and everything. It just, all of those things together are just a deadly, deadly, deadly um, Combination. The old saying that says power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely is certainly true in here. And so, uh, Darius, here as the king, they are playing him and playing on his ego and playing on his authority because they want to get Daniel, but they don't have the power to do it. But they're going to band together, use their power, manipulate the king all for the sake of getting Daniel. Boy, Daniel must have been something for anybody to want to work that hard and to go to these lengths to try to get him. He must have been a real threat to them and really making them uh, look bad here. And so uh, let's kind of find out what is happening here. And by the way, it's just kind of a reminder too, whenever you see somebody in power, Uh, don't just watch them and don't just listen to them. Look at the people that are around him because uh, that's where you see a a lot of what you may want to know or may not want to know about somebody. Politicians will do this. They'll, They'll campaign for a certain thing and a certain platform, make certain promises. Here's what you do. You want to know if they're honest or not? Look and see who their advisors are. And if their advisors don't match up, For example, if a guy is running for office and he says, I am a conservative, and yet he surrounds himself with liberals, guess which direction he's going to go? Or if a person is running as a liberal, but they can surround themselves with conservative people, guess which direction they are going to go? And so uh, watch the advisors. They're the ones who many times really have the power without really having the power or saying they have the power. They use influence. Influence is a big, big, big deal. Okay, so let's go to Daniel chapter 6 and we'll begin reading in verse 6. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king, that's an important word, and said thus to him, King Darius live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administration and satraps the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. You see what's going on here? And uh, as we think about this, what is happening? First of all, think about this. There's majority rule or mob rule, or maybe we should just call it Peer pressure. Do you notice how they throng before him and then they say, Everybody thinks this ought to be done, and that's what influenced the kings or or the king here. Now, notice that this is cloaked in dishonesty. They could not state their real reason. We want to kill Daniel. How about it, king? That wouldn't ever happen. And notice that they thronged him. It wasn't just one person going before the king or maybe two or three people thronged. The definition of thronged is to crowd into, to press against in large numbers. And they do this because people who are like this, they like to appear to be big, important, part of a movement. Um, I can't tell you the number of times I've had people come to me and say, well, people are talking and they want this and this, or they don't like this or this. You know what I learned to say when I was a much, much younger pastor, I won't say I'm not a young pastor now, but when I was a much younger pastor is to ask questions like, who's saying that? How many are we talking about? Can you give me their names? Because most of the time, people like to inflate all of that. They like to appear bigger, more powerful, more influential, and to put the squeeze on you. And um, they do that by making themselves, you know, to have more power than they actually do, or to have more people behind them than they actually do. So through this, what we have just read, they thronged him, so they, they used... As the pressure of numbers that are here, and then they even go further than that. They're not going to let this die, kind of a nagging him and, and staying after him, and they keep bringing this thing up, and they make it look like everybody wants this to happen, right? And so uh, that's the first thing, mob rule, peer pressure, we might call it. Everybody's doing it. You remember saying that to your parents one time or, you know, a couple of times maybe? If you were like my parents, you didn't do it much more than that. If your parents were like mine because uh, they would shut that down in a hurry. But your thing was, why can't I do this? Everybody's doing it. Everybody's going. All the other parents are letting their kids do this. Why won't you let my kids do that? You know the game. And if you're a parent, you've experienced that as well. So that's, that's the first thing. Number two, notice that there's a lot of flattery here. And they said thus to him, King Darius live forever. You know, we don't want your rule to ever end. We don't ever want anybody else. You are the best. You're the greatest, right? And uh, it says, all the governors. Now, did you notice that? You might want to kind of mentally circle that word. All the governors, all the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps. Wow, that's a lot, isn't it? Not only that, but the counselors and the advisors, they say. And so they kind of come up stroking his ego, making him bigger than he really is, and making them to seem to be more in his favor and in his court than they really were. See, this is going to come across as something to where they say, this is all about you, O king, but it's really not about the king. It's about them, and it's specifically about Daniel. So they lied here. They said, all of the governors, oh, wait a minute. Seems like I remember that Daniel was a governor. You suppose Daniel voted for this? You suppose Daniel was in on this? Well, absolutely not. But they're going to say it like it is. Everybody is for this. All of the important people really want this to happen, King. So pay attention to all of this. You're, you're too smart to ignore this, king. You're too good of a king to overlook this and not put it together. Just words of flattery. And so they're puffing up his ego. And notice that they're also building up themselves. Look how impressive we are. Look how influential we are. Look how many people are on our side. Always watch out for that type of thing. Flattery, by the way, in the Bible is mentioned, but it is never a good thing. Never good. I want you to think about a couple of verses here. Proverbs 29, verse 5, out of the English Standard Version says, A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. In other words, it's going to come back and bite you you're going to be the victim of all of that because it's a lie. It's not truthful. It has bad motives. It's got a hidden agenda behind it, and uh, that's what's going to come back and get you. Proverbs 26:24 through 28 says, whoever hates disguises himself with his lips. In other words, he lies. He covers up. He can't tell the truth. He's not going to be Interested in the truth or anything like that at all. This is something that he has to cover up so that he doesn't get caught. Okay? Now, we'll continue on. Uh, Whoever, let me back up here, disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart, when he speaks graciously, believe him not. Why? He's lying. He's playing a game. He's trying to trick. He's trying to trip up. He's not truthful. Believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Seven is a number of completion. And so Solomon is saying here, you can't trust anything about him. Anything. Seven abominations. Uh, his heart is completely an abomination. And uh, moving on, it says, though his hatred be covered with deception his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall in it, and a stone will roll back on him who starts it rolling. A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Well, that's what's getting ready to happen here. This king no more wants to kill Daniel, then you or I would want to kill Daniel. But he's going to be pressured and he's going to be tricked into doing this because the people that are advising him are not being honest. They are hiding what they say. And that's why you have to be careful so often and in so many situations where you think you can trust somebody and you think they have your best interest at heart but they may not. So we've got to be wise and we've got to be discerning in everything that we do. Now, number three, you'll notice that they had a hidden agenda. These points kind of overlap as they almost always do. A hidden agenda. It says that all of these people have consulted together to establish a royal statute And to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any God or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Once again, they could not go before the king and say, we want to pass this law that will force your most trusted advisor to violate it. They they don't say that. And yet they are setting Daniel up and they are setting the king up because they know what Daniel is going to do. He's a faithful man, and he's a faithful man of God. And so the object of this law seems to be, we're going to strengthen the king and make the monarchy stronger and give you more power and more influence over the kingdom. Liars. They didn't want anything to do with anything like that. This is not to strengthen the king or the king's reign. It was to murder Daniel. Now let's call it murder because that's what it is. The whole intent is to catch him and then to have him thrown into a horrible death in the den of lions. And let's not fool ourselves either. I'm sure that any one of them, I mean, there were only three governors, including Daniel. Don't you know that when they got wind that the king wanted to promote Daniel to be the chief of the governors? There was more than one of these people, more than willing to step up into Daniel's place. And as somebody steps up into Daniel's place, there are going to be other places underneath him that are going to open up, and they were willing to move up in that. So don't don't forget that there's probably something going on here that is going to promote them and is going to help them as well. So this is not about the king, and it's not solely about Daniel. They are uh, figuring into this as well. And so um, these are people who cannot and should not be trusted. Solomon would say that, don't believe these kind of people. Don't fall for what they say. Okay, make sure you hear both sides. The king probably should have said, all the governors, where's Daniel? Daniel and called him in and uh, talked to him and gotten the other side of the story. And so many times, folks, that's what we don't do. We hear something, it seems right, it feels right, it fits with what we already think. And what happens? We find ourselves getting into trouble because we don't hear both sides of an issue or both sides of a situation. And the fourth thing is there's self-aggrandizement. Now, aggrandizement, if you're interested, it means to increase the power, status, or wealth of a person. And that's what's happening here. That's really what they're wanting to do. Let's get Daniel out of the way. And the way they look at this is um, his success is our failure. Every time Daniel takes a step up, it pushes us down a little bit. It's almost like they saw everything as a pie, and those only eight pieces. And if Daniel gets two, that's less for the rest of us. So how do we settle this? We'll kill Daniel, then we get to have the piece of the pie of power and of government and of influence, that, that type of thing. Now, that's really not true, because... Um, The pie can always be bigger or somebody can bake another pie, but they didn't see it that way. All they saw was if we can get rid of Daniel, we look better. If we get rid of Daniel, we can step up into his place. There's always something like that that is uh, going on. And um, It says in verse 8, Now, O king, establish a decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. And therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. And why in the world do you think these people were doing this only for Daniel? Maybe we could understand it if there was a... I don't know, let's just say the the Nazi party was growing in uh, Persia and the Persian Empire. And they were getting ready to overthrow the government and assassinate the king and take everything over. And as the Nazi party, for lack of a better word, started growing, that, that meant there was a real threat. And so they come before the king to outlaw The Nazi Party. Okay, we could kind of see something like that, but they're going to all of this trouble for just one man. A man who had shown that he was no threat to the king or to the empire at all. This this man who had been faithful all of these years, this man who was so consistent and who was always helpful to the kings under whom he served. Well, what is really going on here. And so when they say all of this, they say, we don't want just a law. We want this to be declared to be according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which meant then that it was uh, unalterable. But you'll remember the statute was for 30 days. This was not a Uh, a law that was going to be in perpetuity. This was a law that was only going to be for 30 days. Why would that be? Because I think these guys are probably saying something like this. We can hold our tongue and we can stay away from the temples of our gods and our prayers and our rituals and all of that. We can do that for 30 days, but Daniel will never go for anything like that. And so we'll get rid of Daniel. And at the end of 30 days, life goes back to normal. It was just a temporary law. And so uh, therefore King Darius, verse 9 says, signed the written decree. He bit it. He fell for it. He took the bait, so to say. And all of this is so they can get rid of Daniel to build themselves up. So the king alone has the power to do this, and they are pressuring him to do so. So the question is, who has the real power? And notice how there's this sense of urgency. This must be done now. Now, the real reason for the law had to be hidden, and we're reminded in Proverbs 19, verse 2, desire... Without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses the way. There are so many things that we're warned about in the scripture about making haste or falling for the tyranny of the urgent, as a little book was written years ago said. And there are so many things that are always screaming out urgent, gotta do it now, can't miss this. Hurry, 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 hurry. And we get pressured into doing things. Now, the king was being pressured into all of this. This has to be done. Everybody wants it. Oh, king, live forever. It'll strengthen your kingdom. And the truth of the matter is they wanted to kill Daniel and they wanted to promote themselves. And they can't let this go on very long because the truth will come out. If they can get the king to sign the law and hurry up and get this done... Then there's no defending Daniel. There's no exposure on anything. They just do it, and then they, in 30 days, go back to life um, as normal. And so uh, think about it. How many times have you gone maybe to buy a car, and you're at the dealer? And um, you find a car that you like and it's for a pretty good price. And the salesman is talking to you and you say, I think I'll go home and sleep on it. Now, how many times have they said, well, I can't guarantee that this deal will still be good tomorrow. Or I can't guarantee that this car will still be here tomorrow. We got a lot of people looking at this car. I don't know if I can guarantee anything like that. Don't know if I can honor this tomorrow tomorrow but you could sign it now. Have you ever noticed how many times that's almost always a mistake? First of all, it's almost always a lie. And secondly, on your part, it's almost always a mistake. You need to give yourself some time to think. You need to give yourself some time to sleep on it, as uh, some people say. And so Darius doesn't have any time to think. He doesn't have any time to sleep on it. And we're going to find out in this story that he's going to really regret what he has done because he really does care for and respect Daniel. But he's pushed, 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 pushed into all of this. So let that be a lesson to us that all of these things that come up and they scream in our ear, this is urgent, it's got to be done right now. You don't have any time to wait or to appraise this or to... Uh, think about it or to um, maybe just kind of stew on it a little bit. This is always a problem. Now, had the king been thinking, he would have never agreed to harm this trusted governor, Daniel, and they're pushing hard for him to make an unalterable law, a law he couldn't change his mind about, at least during that 30-day period. This is a thing where even the king now is signing into law something that he could not change, something that he could not violate without losing all of his credibility and all of his power and maybe even risking some kind of an overthrow or some kind of a coup on this. Now, I want you to think about things that come up in your life. Consider this. God has an eternal plan that he prepares us for, and he includes us in his eternal plan. But the enemy pushes and labels everything as urgent. Don't worry about what God says. Look at this situation over here. Don't worry about what the scripture says. This is a different situation. You've got to handle it now, and you've got to do it our way. You've got to do it in a way now that violates the word of God. Have you ever felt like that? And sometimes your kids will try that kind of tactic with you. Sometimes the government will do it and uh, they'll come out with something that has to be done and it has to be done now. And it turns out later on that this is a wrong move. This is a bad move. How many bills come through Congress and uh, they've got to be passed before the people in Congress even have a chance to read it and know what really is in it? Remember that uh, Really, really dumb statement that Nancy uh, Pelosi made back um, with Obamacare. And she said, we've got to pass the bill so that we can see what's in it. You know what that is? That's a don't let any grass grow under this. we got to pass it. we got to pass it now. Because many times what that means is if people actually read it and thought about it, it wouldn't pass. But if we can push it through and push it through, that's the way things go. You'll think about most of the time when you fall into sin, what happened? There was an urgency about what it is that you wanted to do. And they appealed to you. The enemy appealed to you, dropped the bait. You got to take it now. And you wanted it at that point more than you wanted anything else. Had you stopped and thought, had you paid attention to the Holy Spirit and remembered the word of God, you never would have fallen into that. And there are all kinds of traps that come this way. So the king should have resisted the pressure, slowed things down, thought things through, and then he would have refused to sign the law. So in conclusion, you remember that we're commanded to pray for those who are in authority. Now, think about it like this. What kind of pressure do they face to violate their own conscience? Now, a lot of them don't have a conscience, true, But what about the ones that do? How many times are they lied to? Are they pressured? How many times do they get pushed? Now, 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 now. And they do something that later on uh, they regret. And if you think of it like this, this king that we're talking about, he is the head of the nation, head of the empire, but his advisors are the neck, and the neck is what turns the head. So whenever you are evaluating somebody, as we said earlier, remember to take a look at their advisors. If they have an advisor that's a communist or a radical or something like that, that's the direction things are going to go eventually. And we need to pray for those, not only who are the officials, but we need to pray for their advisors as well. And that is at every level. Who's advising the school board? Who's advising the mayor and the city council? Who's advising the governor? Who's advising the state legislature? Who's advising a member of Congress? Who's advising the president? Watch out for those kind of things because they are extremely, extremely important. I uh, sometimes get a little frustrated because somebody will run for office as a conservative, but when they get into office, they govern like a liberal. And so often, we should have been able to know that they weren't being entirely honest, or they weren't going to go that direction. Maybe they really did mean it when they were campaigning, but they had some people around them that were not going to steer them in the right direction. Should have known. Should have known. So as we pray for those people, pray for the leaders and pray for their advisors. And as you evaluate people, there's an election coming up. Don't just listen to what they say or what they write in their book or the speeches that they make. Look at the people who are hanging around them and who are advising them because they'll tell you a lot about where they're going to go, just like King Darius We can see it coming by the people that are pressuring him and trying to control him. So who's the real power? It's not always the king. Many times the real power is in the advisors. Always remember that, okay? Well, that is another installment in the life of Daniel and as we move in this particular part of him heading toward the lion's den. There's a lot of things going on behind the scenes. So we'll look forward to seeing you again next week. I appreciate you tuning in and watching. And uh, teachers, I hope this was helpful to you. And uh, pray that the Lord blesses you as you teach your class. And those of you who are watching this to keep up with your class, God bless you for doing that. That's a wonderful thing, and I really appreciate it. So again, until next week, may the Lord bless you, and we'll see you then.